Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about issues of the day from a biblical perspective, as well as highlights from interviews, conferences, and events. Here's Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. Monty Larrick here, and I'm joined by Dr. Vody Bakum at the Black Conservative Summit. Dr. Bakum is an author, conservative commentator, and uh, he is the head of Vody Bakum Ministries, also serves as the Dean of Theology at African Christian University in Zambia. Let me ask you this, Dr. Bakum. What could Christian students on our American Christian campuses learn from these kids in Zambia? Boy, I, I think one of the things that Christian students here could learn is really a sense of the importance and the value of education. And I think it's something that we take for granted here, but in many parts of the world, it's not a given or a guarantee that you're gonna be able to have access uh, to a quality Christian education. And uh, I, I think that's something that people here uh, need to be grateful for and, and uh, really probably need to take more advantage of as well. How would you define a quality Christian education? Yeah, quality Christian education is an education that is rooted and grounded in a biblical worldview. Um, it's an education that seeks excellence in the pursuit of truth, beauty, and goodness to the glory of God. It's an education that is uncompromisingly rigorous in terms of its academics and is uncompromising and unwavering in terms of its commitment to biblical truth. Well, we know kids on secular college campuses aren't getting that. Are they getting that on our Christian college campuses? Not at most of them, no. There are very few uh, campuses, even Christian campuses, where, where, they're, where they're getting that. Unfortunately, how we turn that around? Huh? That's it, boy. If I knew that, I'd have them fixed, right? Right. Um, that that's something that's going to take time. But before that, it's going to take an awareness and a commitment. And unfortunately, in many instances, the only commitment that people have is to nickels and noses, right? We want to put more students in the seats. We want more tuition, we want more, you know, fill in the blank. And those things become more important than the foundational commitments, than the fundamental theological commitments. So I, I think there has to be a change in that regard first. There also has to be a desire. And unfortunately for many Christians, there's not a desire. We don't see the value of Christian education. We're fine bifurcating our lives, right? And saying that my faith life is over here, uh, but, but my academic life or my professional life um, is, is over here. We believe that Jesus is the Lord of church on Sunday, but he's not the Lord of biology or chemistry or mathematics. That's something that has to change fundamentally before we start talking about you know, changing institutions. Well, if I'm a Christian parent and I'm gonna send my kids off to a Christian college, what should they be looking out for? Yeah, I think, number one, they need to be looking for uh, schools that are open, that are upfront about what their commitments are, where their commitments lie. Uh, I think another thing they need to be looking for is a school that is rigorous in terms of 
its confession and its confessional commitment across the board. Um, not a school that's committed, for example, to having theology professors who are Christians operating from a Christian worldview, but don't mind if their bio biology professors are Marxist and Darwinian evolutionists. I think we need to, they need to be looking for places that are consistent across the board. We at Illinois Family Institute believe that our grade schools, <laughs> our high schools, et cetera, are beyond repair, and that Christian parents have to get their kids out of these government schools and into sound Christian homeschooling or a sound Christian school. What are your thoughts? I've been saying that for two and a half decades. 20, 25 years ago, I was considered a, a radical for making that exact same observation and for calling Christian parents to give their children a Christian worldview. I published a book in 2007 where I wrote that, and again, it was considered absolutely radical. Uh, but now things have deteriorated so much that uh, the message doesn't sound as radical anymore. It doesn't. But my fear is that a lot of Christian parents will settle for anything that gets their kid out of the government schools. And we know some of this wokeness gets into the curriculum and what have you. Yeah, well, a lot of Christian parents will settle for anything, including government education, right? I think there's still 85% of Christians who send their kids to the government schools for their education. So, you know, beyond people who are settling for the less than ideal um, alternatives, we've got people who are not looking for an alternative at all. When you leave the government education system, it's a matter of time and degrees, right, before you find something that is um, I mean, nothing's, nothing's going to be perfect, right? Um, but something that is good, something that is sound, right? Um, but I, I'm happy to just see people leave, right? Let, let's start there. Let's start with recognizing that we can't continue to send our children to Caesar for their education and be surprised when they come home as Romans. That's a great line from your book, Fault Lines. I want to talk about that a little later. But let me ask you this, though. A lot of parents, they can't afford a Christian school, and Homeschooling, they think, may be out of the question because they're already working two jobs or both parents are working. How do we address that? What can churches do to kind of come alongside these parents? Yeah, and I think that, that last statement is part of the answer to the question. I think what we have to do is recognize that this is not just an individual family issue. We have to recognize that this is a broader issue that is going to have to be answered from multiple perspectives and directions. And I think churches providing um, alternatives and providing opportunities um, and providing resources um, and at least leading in the discussion, I think that is a huge piece of the puzzle in terms of us fixing this. Well, let's say you feel like you just can't get your kids out of government schools. What do you do as a parent to kind of work alongside your kids or the school board or whatever with your teachers. Can that be done? I mean, anything can be done, right? People can survive that environment. Uh, but just because somebody can survive that environment doesn't mean that we you know, expose them to that environment. If, if your kid has to be in that environment, uh, the answer to the question, what do you do, is everything you possibly can. You do everything in your power. 
what you don't do is just wash your hands of the situation, right? You do everything you can while they're there, and you do everything you can to get them out. Well, even some parents who are sending their kids to good Christian schools, this has been brought to my attention, they stress, oh, my kids are doing very well, high academics, but they're leaving out the discipleship part. And, yeah. and we can't do that, can we? No, we can't. Um, it's my duty and my responsibility to disciple my children. Um, as parents, God sent them home to us, and ultimately their discipleship is our responsibility. And so regardless of what kind of decisions we make uh, related to our children's education, that is a decision that is occurring within the context of our duty and responsibility to disciple our children. Uh, we can't do that by proxy. We don't just hand that off. We can't hand that off. A good football analogy there. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Bodie Bacham right after this. With a one-minute look at culture from a Christian worldview, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. Recently, Christian writer Samuel Say tweeted, quote, the question isn't, does God exist? The question is, how could anything exist without God? Or, as Fräulein Maria sang in The Sound of Music, nothing comes from nothing, nothing ever could. Not only is there something in the world, lots of them in fact, there's consciousness, creativity, beauty, love, order. And that kind of world says an awful lot about what kind of first cause would be required to bring all of these somethings into existence. Someone pushed back against Say, arguing that a more important question is what kind of people should we be? But as Say responded, it's impossible to know what kind of people we should be without affirming who our Creator is. God, in particular the Christian God, is the best explanation for the world that we experience. Or as C.S. Lewis put it, I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun is risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. I'm joined at the Black Conservative Summit by Dr. Bodie Bauckham with Bodie Bauckham Ministries. And Dr. Bauckham, in case you don't know, wrote up just a great book called Fault Lines, The Social Justice Movement and Evangelicalism's Looming Catastrophe. Well, you wrote this book, what, a year or two ago? Yeah, a couple of years. it came out a couple of years ago. Yeah. Well, are things worse now? Yeah, they actually are. Uh, they're worse in some ways. Uh, they're, they're better in others. But uh, the, the problems are still there. We're still facing uh, the social justice movement and, you know, all of the ills that it brings. Social justice sounds good. Yeah, it really does, doesn't it? Social justice sounds good and racial justice sounds good and equity sounds good. Um, and that's by design, right? Uh, these these words are are meant to sound good. They're meant to disguise, disguise the underlying ideologies and ulterior motives behind them. Those are a couple fault lines. What are some of the other fault lines? I, I think th they're all ideological fault lines, right? The theology behind social justice, the worldview behind it, Marxism, cultural Marxism, all of these issues they really create the various fault lines. Um, so now we're dealing with issues like social justice, racial justice, abortion, voting, you know, in, in elections and all of these other issues. They may seem like they're unrelated, but when you recognize the worldview and the ideology 
behind the social justice movement, you recognize that they're fruit from the same poisonous tree. And they want to destroy Judeo-Christian values. They do. They want to destroy biblical values and biblical worldview because they recognize biblical Christianity as the ultimate opponent. You know, when you look at the world from a, a cultural Marxist perspective and you divide the world into oppressors and the oppressed, you know, people think that that's, that is just an ethnic issue or it's about, you know, sex and so white males. Well, no, it's not just white males. You know, white male, uh, cisgendered, heterosexual, able-bodied, native-born, you keep going down the list and ultimately you get to Christian. Uh, Christianity is seen as the fundamental ideology of the oppressor in the West. Uh, and so Christianity is seen as the enemy of the cultural Marxist. Well, how do Christians counter that? Our churches, at least a lot of them, when it comes to these social and cultural issues, they're silent. What's your message to them? Silence is not an option. Neutrality is not an option. And whether we like it or not, this has been brought to our doorstep. We have an adversary who is actively engaging with us and actively warring against us. And, you know, we, we have to acknowledge that. We have to become aware. We have to educate ourselves. Ignorance of this will be and has been catastrophic. Well, you've touched on it, but what's your warning to these silent churches? Sooner or later, they'll be coming after them as well, right? Yeah, there is no sooner or later. They're already coming after us. They're coming after us in terms of same-sex marriage and whether or not we're going to do ceremonies. They're coming after us in terms of uh, transgenderism and whether or not we're going to use the right pronouns. And you know, they're coming after us in terms of a whole host of issues. And, you know, Christian organizations and institutions, uh, they're coming after us in terms of DEI, you know, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and so on and so forth. Um, it, it's not that they're going to be coming. They're, the enemy's at the gate. Enemy's at the gate. This is the Black Conservative Summit. How did you turn out conservative? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I wish I had a, 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 a formula that did it for me so that I could turn that formula around um, and, and do it for others. But for me, it's just a matter of growing in grace. It's just a matter of worldview de development. It's also a matter of me being a, a student of history and uh, caring about that. Uh, and, and when I say a student of history, I don't mean just in terms of what people have fed me, but also in terms of what I've sought out for myself, um, which has helped me to recognize that people are feeding us history from very specific perspectives. So again, it's just a matter of being engaged. It's also a matter of being a parent and raising children and having a desire for um, the coming generation. I, I think as we get older and as we have children, um, we, we all have a tendency to grow more conservative. Once you start paying taxes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're saying, where's that money going, you know? Yeah. I could use that in my pocket, yeah. yeah. Dr. Bacham, there's a lot of talk in the conservative community that more and more blacks are turning conservative. What do you think is really happening? Yeah, I, I think that by and large, the black community's always been very conservative. But they don't vote that way. And, and, and so, yeah, 
I think what people are recognizing is that there are those who have been more willing to identify themselves with conservative political organizations. But I, I, I think by and large, conservatism is not something that's new. And I think that's good news, right? I think getting people to recognize that our politics um, have to be all-encompassing, right? That we can't have conservative uh, values in our personal lives and, and then somehow ignore that when we get to the ballot box. I think that's incredibly important, and I think it's happening for people. There are a lot of conservative pundits who suggest that the Republican Party in particular needs to broaden its base if they want to have significance in the here and now and in the future. Broaden the base to more African Americans, more Hispanics, etc. What are your thoughts? How can they do that? I think we saw that in the Trump administration. The, the amount of votes that Trump got in the first and second election was historic in terms of minority communities. And so I think there are lessons uh, to be learned from that. But, but I think what's more important is holding fast to things that are true. Uh, I think one of the things that's wrong with politics is that it's devolved into identity politics. And it's devolved into, okay, what does this group want? And how can we give that to them? And what does that group want? And how can we give that to them? I think it's much more fruitful and effective in the long run and much more honest in the long run to hold to those things that are true and to perhaps do a better job of engaging and communicating to people on what those things are and why they matter. I want to shift back to part of our opening discussion about what's happening in Zambia. And you're doing some great work there. Tell me, what's happening? Well, I went there seven and a half years ago to help start a university. It's a classical Christian liberal arts university. We're offering degrees in agriculture, business, education, theology, um, looking to move into fine arts, chemistry, biology. We, we eventually want to do uh, engineering and medicine and law and really, like I said, just trying to lay the foundation for seeking and appreciating truth, beauty, and goodness in every area and aspect of life. It's incredibly rewarding work, but it's also challenging work. Uh, but we're excited about the, the fruit that we're seeing um, and about the potential that lies ahead. Vodibaka Ministries, what are you up to? Things haven't really changed there. Uh, I, I'm in the U.S. Uh, about three times a year, and then one other part of the world that fourth time a year. So I try to do four uh, preaching tours each year, really to keep my focus uh, on what's happening at home and what's happening you know, at the university. But um, I, I'm, I'm still engaging and uh, being involved in what's happening here in the U.S., um, investing in, in terms of my ministry and what's happening here in the U.S. and in other parts of the world as well. Got a great book there, Fault Lines. How do you top it? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. Um, I, I just think in terms of what, what's next, right? And um, got another couple of things in the works uh, because this is, just, this is just one part, one piece of the puzzle. Um, what's happening in the broader culture is happening in multiple spheres, 
and is coming at us from multiple angles and perspectives. And so there's a lot more work to be done in terms of informing and engaging and, equi and equipping on this. How can folks uh, connect with Vody Bauckham and your ministry? Yeah, they can connect with us through votibauckham.org and uh, that'll connect them to everything that we're involved with from ACU to you know, other things that we're doing here in, in the U.S. God bless you. Thank you so much for your time and thank you for the great work you're doing. Bless you, brother. Thank you. All right. And thank you folks for tuning in. Do uh, support the work of the Illinois Family Institute and Illinois Family Action. Stay active, stay healthy, and God bless. For more information about Illinois Family Spotlight, visit ifiaction.org. And to email questions and comments, do so at feedback at ifiaction.org.